we're connected. We get a little music going, and we're going to get it started here. Tax the rich, feed the poor, After there are a little theme song changing the world and it is changing we'd like to have a little bit of impact on it maybe we will already are i think to some extent but very little at this point maybe a little more as we go forward good morning to all the good folks here on the jitsi board and to those who are listening live and to those who are listening at some later a date or time or place on Castbox. so glad to have you all along thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend it with us and and i appreciate that you think this is important information and so do i and uh so here we go let's see it's the tuesday edition the 29th of march so that's 32922 on the date stamp we are on the Eurofolk radio network i am roger sales and this is the radio ranch so we get the formalities out of the way there i hope everybody's got a good morning going for them you uh, um, uh, let's see, boy, where do I want to start? Anybody got anything they want to bring up here while I gather my thoughts for a second? I kind of uh, slept late this morning, got up. I haven't been able to sleep real good the last couple of nights. I'm in one of those phases again where uh, I wake up in the middle of the night and go, you know, go to the bathroom and can't get back to sleep and lay down in bed, and you don't want to lay down in bed, and I get up and start walking and uh, walk around the neighborhood, get all the dogs upset and uh you know do that for a while and then come home and I had a communications with several of you one of them being jeff last night <laughs> in the middle of the night or late and early in the morning and uh so i uh, laid down for a couple hours here this morning got up kind of close to the showtime so i'm a little discombobulated not as normally on top of things as i would be but there's a couple things i did want to discuss but if any of you if there's any new folks uh on the board uh now is a good time to come in say hello introduce yourself let's find out where you are in the world and uh see if we can address your questions so if there's anybody in that situation we'd like to have you step forward here this morning there's a couple of people were asking yesterday how to get onto the board so we may have some new folks joining us does anybody got anything of import to uh, bring forward Ooh, uh-oh everybody's very uh lethargic this morning huh um very interesting um i don't know if any of you listened to rents last night um I did. Did you? Did you, Jeff? I heard it. Did you hear that third guy? The guy that's on there on Mondays in that third slot that does the. He's a retired army officer, I think. I don't remember his name. Uh, but he writes. A, he writes. Takes a, a whole week to write out his, and he reads it on the air. Uh, Jeff's always chided him about making it into a book, but. Uh, He's got some pretty good observations, and he had some interesting observations last night. Did you get to hear that segment? Yes, I listened to that stuff, and I promptly forget it. Okay, well, uh, I okay, okay. Well, you're um, the uh, he's got a a guy that he's known for some years, who's a retired colonel from the army. And uh, he's married to a gal that's half Ukrainian and half Russian. 
and he lives in eastern Ukraine, the site of all the problems, or at least in the you know their 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 plot over there on the eastern side, and um, he speaks fluent. He he speaks Ukrainian and Russian. I don't know how close those languages are. Um, but, uh, he was communicating with him and getting the real skinny and this guy's got connections into the Ukraine army, uh, and, uh, on what all's going on over there and what these Cree, who they are, first of all, and what they're doing. And, uh, boy, it's, it's chilling. Okay. Uh, I mean, these guys are just like the Bolsheviks of old Russia. I know they may call them Nazis to try and paint them. Uh, uh, with a broad brush, but these guys are Bolsheviks. All their all their tactics are totally Bolsheviks. I guess people have seen. If you haven't, he's. I've I heard uh, two figures over a hundred, but I think I heard a hundred and seventy eight. A hundred and seventy eight Antifa people that went over there to fight in their Freedom Brigade were murdered by these people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, hundred plus Antifa's gone. So, but the Russians that they're capturing—that's um. That, <coughs> excuse me, I suck some uh, down the wrong pipe there. Um, they are when they capture them. You know, there was a, a the head surgeon for the Ukrainian army or something came out last week and said, "When we catch Russians, we're going to castrate them." Everybody remember hearing that? Did y'all hear that? And then he retracted it and said, no, I was just kidding or something. Well, he wasn't kidding. So just shoot him in the legs instead. Well, they're doing both. They're, they're, they're castrating. It depends on when they get them. It depends on what shade of Russian they are. In other words, Russia's pretty big territory. It's got a lot of uh, uh, different ethnicities and stuff. And if they're of a darker skin tone, they just murder them outright and shoot their uh, shoot shoot them in the genitals. Uh, they may shoot them in the leg. Um, and uh, this one guy that he had just murdered, one of the commander of this brigade that was doing this bloody bloody little deal, uh, he killed a guy. I think he shot him in the in the gonads and then killed him. And uh, then he got his cell phone and called his mother and said, I just yeah. murdered your son. Yeah, tell him how he died. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's gruesome. So here, that's, uh, that's, that's who we're dealing with over there. And um, uh, it's, uh, it's just really, um, well, it's just very frank. He said it's just an absolute mix of bad actors. He's got all of these different uh, political uh, extremists in there. Uh, pulling all this stuff and uh, that they are raping uh, they're actually raping uh, Ukrainian women and they're killing Ukrainians and of course Russia has tried to go in there and just go after soft targets and not hit any infrastructure or any civilian and so they they're keeping the Ukrainians in the towns and if they try and leave the towns they shoot them Okay, and they go in and give them Molotov cocktails, and they went in. Remember, they went in and distributed automatic weapons as much ammunition as they cared to take away with magazines, and then they then old feuds within the city on non-military people started coming out, and people are killing each other in the civilians, right? But do what, Jeff? 
gang activity yeah crime. gang activity all that stuff and of course what the the russians were saying if they see they you know put down your arms and surrender and you'll be all right but if we see anybody with arms we're going to shoot you and so they're giving all the civilians arms so that they'll shoot the civilians and then they come on all their news platforms and tell you that russia's murdering civilians um so it, it's all these dirty tricks man but the one that got me that i heard i mentioned it on the show yesterday uh i think briefly and it reminded me of uh well it reminded me of an incident that i read out of uh, allison weir's uh the the history of the israeli conflict all right and the uh uh the ukrainians got a multi-story building and put 200 women and children in the basement and dynamited the building on them Okay, and it just reminded me on tactics of these creeps in a skirmish. If you're not familiar and haven't studied that uh, Palestinian, uh, the birthing of Satan sandbox over there. Uh, first of all, I should plug Allison Weir's site, ifamericansnew.org. Okay, if Americans knew dot org. Uh, Allison Weir, although Weir sounds like a Jewish name, it's not. She is, I'm assuming she still is, and they couldn't get rid of her because she's tenured. But if I remember correctly, she's a tenured Ph.D. professor or something at the University of California at Berkeley. Okay. And she got involved in this uh, by, uh, and I don't remember exactly, she, she got involved, she was all for Israel, and then she started looking at what was going on, like uh, uh, numerous people, and they get in there and start seeing the stark realities, like we're talking about here with Ukraine, on what's going on with the Palestinians, and she totally switched to the Palestinians, I believe that was her story, and um, uh, she's got, that's a wealth of website, and in and, and this in this kind of history of what happened over there she used to have a long one on there i think there's just a short one i couldn't find the long one last time i looked but i remember i was in florida when i i printed it out and it was 21 or 22 pages long on the printer and uh then i went through and highlighted all the stuff that i wanted to highlight you know the yellow marker and the whole damn thing was almost highlighted okay uh when i got finished it's a repulsive uh, uh, document uh, not because of the document but because of the content and uh, now what she did she didn't write this okay she went through and picked out i forget four or five books written by notable authors of the day one of them was gandhi uh, a couple of jewish authors and some other people and then she went through those books and combed out all the pertinent information and combined it into her 22 page overview and it's just absolutely stomach turning what these it's just like this thing in the ukraine it put 200 women and children in a basement and blow the blow the building on them you know it's an ear gun trick the bolsheviks it's a, it's it, it's ear gun and, St- and stern gang that's exactly right i think it might have been a stern gang but they're both the same pretty much synonymous the the situation that i was uh, wanted to refer to give you that background on is something that's i think it's in may it's in april or may it's just about this time of year and it is commemorated every year by certain people around the world all these years later uh and that is a village called dier yasun are have you heard of that jeff outside of me mentioning it the other day have you ever looked into that dier yasun I remember that name. That was a massacre. Yes, it was. It's two words. D-I-E-R-Y-A-S-S-U-N, I think, maybe. I-N. I'm not sure the exact spelling, but it's close. It'll be, You put it in a search engine, it'll come up and say, did you mean, you know? Um, 
it, and and it, the irony of this is they were out there massacring all these Arabs and taking over all these towns. All right, and Dier Yassin was friendly to the Israelis. It's a friendly village. But their problem was they were on a really, really strategic spot, high ground some area over there that overlooked a bunch of uh, adjoining territory or something. And they were bound and determined to go in and get that piece of prime land. And they went in and one of these uh, raids, you know, the circle that came in, uh, killed all the men. And they got the women and they put them in houses and they would have them clean the house all night long and then the next morning they dynamited in on them and it just really reminded me of this ukraine thing i thought well there's your similar tactics right there but that's who we're dealing with and they keep painting them as nazis and uh yeah you know listen there's no german soldier i'm sure there might have been some but in the overall the german soldiers were not like that you know i heard something the other day where somebody was talking about it and they were talking about paris and france and uh, when the Germans came in and took over France, there was no raping of women going on. But when the Americans took over, it was very liberal raping of women. Okay, uh, the Germans had a much, much more gentlemanly and, and chivalristic, if you will, approach to all that stuff. And they get so demonized, and I get, well, you know, listen to Alex. He's always Nazi this, Nazi that, and it's. Man, I mean, you know, there's just the mis and disinformation out there on that whole part of the of our history, of the world's history, of that country, the demonization of that man, and and and, and their efforts and what they accomplished is totally overlooked. They turn around, you know, our country's getting to get a taste of this. You're on the front end of some hyperinflation, folks. Okay, it's coming. I promise you. That's the card they're playing here. Who knows if it'll get as bad as it was in Germany, but it was horrible over there, and it's going to be horrible in our country, okay, and uh, in other parts of the world, too, but particularly the U.S. They've got the U.S. targeted because of the white and the Christian uh, uh, solid foundation and the fact that they hate uh, that, obviously, and that they've intentionally fattened you up like a cow out in the pasture to be able to utilize uh, that productivity and the use of you as collateral for the dollar of the world reserve currency and take over and control the world through it. And they're going to come back and z- zero in on that bullseye. I promise you. Okay. So uh, that, uh, that hyperinflation that happened that ravaged I mean, totally ravaged Germany. If you've never heard or read or seen any videos or uh, studied that period of time, uh, spend a little time. I I forget, is it Mike Maloney's uh, Secrets of Gold and Silver, uh, Episode 7, I think, that deals with German hyperinflation? And he, Mike Maloney, does a great job of all, everything that he does. I haven't seen too much of him lately, but he's got that series. I think it's the history of gold and silver and Something uh, I forget the exact title of it, but episode seven is on the German hyperinflation. Okay, and um, it went to where the mark the mark was almost all on par with the dollar. At the end of it, it was over a million marks to buy a dollar. Okay, um, there was a great story. I remember Robbie Noel 
the late and great no, but Robbie Noel. I hope some of you remember Robbie. He was mm-hmm. a he was an icon in our in our movement, and he had a what that prime time evening slot on RBN uh, weeknights for an hour, and uh, South African with that wonderful british colonial accent he'd been a stockbroker earlier in his uh, life and his career so he knew that whole side of it and he was a gold and silver uh, dealer he used to work quite quite a bit with jeff bennett i was honored and i look back still to be able to do a few shows with robbie um before uh, before he got out of the country accidentally and couldn't get back in and ended up back in South Africa and passed away. Uh, he was not in good health. But uh, Robbie told this story about a guy that worked, you know, all those great German spas over there, uh, Jeff Baden-Baden and all those famous uh, hot hot springs and all that stuff. It's really, I, I mean, when I was over there a couple of years ago, I got to, I've been to Europe one time uh, and uh, I, I won a contest with carrot bars and they took us over to stuttgart for 10 days and uh we went over the occasion revolved around uh the biggest gp the end the season ending gp motorcycle race in czech republic i forget the little town it was in but it's a very famous race hell there's over a quarter of a million people there okay it was a really 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 big deal and um they put us up in one of those spas it wasn't Baden Baden, but man, was this place luxurious. Had all kinds of pools with all this naturally hot water and just a lovely, lovely uh, hotel and restaurant and everything. It was, it was really impressive. So that's why I think of that. You know, I've had a little bit of that taste of that. And these Baden Baden, that town over there is particularly famous for that. Um, the A lot of the elite go there and spend time, and it's, it, it is uh, speculated that uh, to get themselves away from all this heinous crap that they do that to people in the world that's in their in their subconscious you know regardless uh was a guy at one of these types of spas like that and uh he had a regular customer he was a bellhop and had a regular customer and uh as the customer was leaving and he was helping uh, her or whoever it was and to get things and out of the out of the area and into the car and on their way and they tipped him a gold coin okay and so he went home this is before the hyperinflation he went home and put it in a drawer like you know many of us would do stick it away somewhere for a rainy day and he forgot about it and as the hyperinflation is raging he either found it or remembered it and went in and got it and went back and bought the hotel with it does that give you an idea what's coming okay so uh that uh, that whole area but um allison weir's site is a really really good resource for all information honest and truthful revolving around this satan sandbox uh i also wanted to say that uh, i have a about a 40 minute talk i've played it on here a couple of times but i can't play stuff where the jitsi board and the audience can hear it at the same time maybe one of these days paul and i will find the little snafu that's got that screwed up but regardless there's about a 40 minute talk i don't know when she did it uh i played it on thumper's show here a while back and uh i'm telling you it's amazing i don't care how how informed you are about that whole situation and history you've never heard some of the things that she goes over in that talk 
uh, it's just startling information on the. I think it's titled "How Israel Was Formed," and uh, using the U.S. You know, uh, and, yes. Sorry, hun. No, go ahead and finish. All right. Well, I, I took that, and uh, just for anybody that's new, and you, this maybe tweaks you a little bit. I took the Allison Weir talk and a, about a twenty-five minute David Duke talk on the history of Jewish slavery. Uh, and I put them up in the archives on February 12th and 13th. And the 12th, the Saturday, the 12th is the David Duke talk. And the Sunday is that Allison Weir talk. And if you've got an interest in this area or want some background on it, man, I encourage you to go listen to both of those. They're they're really, really hard-hitting uh, pieces of information. Yes, Don, what you got, babe? Um, so... I've got people coming over like around 10, so I kind of wanted to get on the DMV letter. Okay. All right. Good. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I slipped my mind. Let's go get that out of the way then. If you'll uh, read, you want to tell the uh, audience, for those of you that might not be on top of this, what you're going to uh, read to us and the circumstances that brought it about, please. Sure. So I was just doing what Roger had suggested and weaponizing my affidavit. And I had sent the cover letter to the DMV, just, you know, the regular one just saying, please find my citizenship evidence enclosed, which is now on file with the Secretary of State, and please adjust your actions accordingly. I didn't even say, you know, the, I this was my first draft to them, and so that's when I was screwing up all the letters. I didn't even put principal is to the agent, the agent is to the principal, I didn't put any of that. And I put legal lawful notice not to be construed as a filing. So I really screwed up. <laughs> so <laughs> I told, like, I keep, I keep telling every, I keep telling everybody this is a process, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna have to resend everything, which is great because they're just gonna love me when I resend the corrected cover letter. They'll to certainly them. remember you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so that's all I did. I didn't like try and do anything funky with my driver's license or anything like that. All I was doing was notifying them of my status change. And this is the letter that I just got back from them saying, this letter is in response to your recent correspondence. The Department of Motor Vehicles and its employees disagree with your statements and will not be bound by them. Every person within the boundaries of the state of California is subject to its laws and must comply with the California requirements for licensing, registration, and insurance in order to operate a motor vehicle on public roads. Under California law, driving a vehicle is a privilege granted by the state through its power to regulate traffic. It is not a right, regardless of whether the travel is for personal use or commercial gain. DMV does not have the authority to exempt you from licensing and registration laws. Additionally, California law establishes punitive measures to be taken. When a person operates a motor vehicle without complying with licensing and registration laws, the person is subject to citation and or the vehicle is subject to impoundment by a law enforcement officer. This is the last correspondence you will receive from DMV concerning these issues. DMV will not expend any further resources responding to your future uh, correspondence. 
and then of course unsigned customer it's, communication you know section. at the end when they give you this this is the last correspondence you got yeah. no appeal you know something's bogus right there now the other yeah. things let me observe because i don't remember you reading that whole thing but uh all per uh, all persons in california are required that must be you talking about legal persons of course uh right uh what about every motor vehicle well I don't, I don't have a motor vehicle i've got a private conveyance i mean there's a lot of ways to attack this and that i, I heard as you were reading that so uh i'm i'm anxious to hear what you have pinned for them um i actually haven't really uh been able to kind of put together my thoughts but my initial reaction was bs 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 liar liar pants on fire (laughs) (laughs) it's like they're playing a game of of bull it's 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 they're playing a game of we're gonna bluff you back into compliance I mean, blatant lies on here. Blatant. A vehicle, driving a vehicle is a privilege granted to by them to well, me? Well, it is if you're a citizen of the United States and a resident. Yeah. It's like they didn't even read my affidavit. Okay. It, the, the thing is, is they disagree with my statements. Question. Well, yeah, yeah, there's, the thing is, I can't disagree with your statement because it's your choice, not theirs. They're showing themselves to be open tyrants. Who had a question there? Skip. Hey, Skip. Uh, the uh, d- does don't don't they by by definition of an affidavit don't they have to re- to to her affidavit with an affidavit? Well, they should have to. Yeah, just say uh, we don't pay any attention to that. Sorry, sound like the Democratic Party in the last election, huh? But but yeah. isn't isn't their response that it because it's not a you're clipping a little bit, Skip. Get that last part of that again, please. Is their uh, non affidavit response a non response? Yes, it's just well, like these bluff letters from the Secretary yeah. of State. It's exactly the same thing. Without signature, and this is why we um or I decided to put on my template letters um, at the very end that if you disagree with any of my statements in my affidavit, uh, you have every right to respond with your own affidavit to the Secretary of State. Yes, that's a good way to come back, and it's good to solidify that in your cover letter. Good idea, okay? Yeah. So that'll be on all my other uh, cover letters from this point on. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is they can't, I mean, they can disagree all they want, but they're bound by them when they say they're not bound by them. They are. Mm-hmm. And every person, well, I'm not that person. I'm not That's the person. A, there you go. Boy, there's that lesson can come in real handy right there. Yep. Within the boundaries of the state of California is subject to its laws. No. I am not subject to your laws because I am no longer is, a U.S. citizen under the 14th Amendment. You, should, you, you can say, is, do, do what, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, subject to its laws. Well, uh, the definition of its is what? Yeah, right. You could also say, is that like subject to in the 14th Amendment? Mm. Um, oh, uh, Dave's wanting. Dave's going to jump in here. Yes, Dave. 
Yeah, uh, thanks. Good morning, everybody. Um, you know, we may be uh, subject to the laws, but we're not subject to statutes, codes, rules, and regulations. Yeah, that's another thing you could There's put no that. The, that driver correct. That codes and statutes. Right? Uh, you know, you could put something in there like, I'm only subject to God's laws, and you're not God. Although you'd like to think you Even are. they think like they are. Yeah. <laughs> you're not my God. Well, there you go. Any of these things you could you could massage and stick in there if you feel comfortable with them, Don. So uh, go go. Uh, we people created the states, and we can eliminate the states anytime we want. Well, and they're they they're not something to the fact that they're not subject. They're not uh, how they put it. They're not. This is you they said they weren't subject to but something about them being responsive you're responsive in the fact that you're agents of the government of california the state government and your only authority is over residents and i'm not one of those and that affidavit states it very plainly sign, and the state didn't sign that paper because there is no state a state can't sign anything yep now the other thing for the audience here what we're doing is uh we're of course don is going to rebut this and y'all you never want to leave these things hanging on their side where no more discussion is possible because that ain't true okay another untruism in their little letter uh and what the end goal here is to get that in your administrative file with the department of motor vehicles whether they no matter what they do with it you want your redress to their bs to go in your administrative file so if you do don ever have an occasion to take this to an administrative appeal or you ever unfortunately have to go into some sort of a court setting all of that information is totally admissible into evidence, and it bypasses the rules of evidence because it's in a court of record already, their administrative court, your administrative file. Okay, so that's that's part of the overall big picture here on redressing these things and sending them something back, okay? So my question is, um, I want to call to find out who i would speak with to send my appeal to um well what you want to do is this is a question you want to ask if this is contested what's the next step in my administrative appeal i want to exhaust my administrative remedies that's a key phrase to put down exhaust my administrative remedies the reason for that for the newer people here You've got two court systems running. You've got the one that you guys automatically think of with the black robe bandits that come in there. And you've got this administrative state court, which is an informal court, but it is a court. Now, they do have administrative hearings, okay, uh, that aren't te technically court court like we're thinking about, but they are administrative courts. You just saw one the other day. We heard about it up in Idaho with the baby cyrus and that judge that said baby cyrus is idaho's property he was an administrative judge in a cps administrative hearing okay and so that is a court of record also and in either one of those you can bring in anything that's in your administrative file anything they send to you
And anything you reply back to them has to go in your administrative file. And because it's in their possession and it's a quote-unquote official record, that's why it gets admissibility privileges, okay? And that is something they can't stop. So that's something we can use. You know, I've mentioned before, uh, Al, uh, a lot of people, I shouldn't interrupt Donna while she's on a roll. We can talk about that later. But Al had a 66 questions. You know, he heard from the IRS. He wrote them back very scholarly, 66 questions, very in-depth, never heard from them again. Okay, now I got to I'm, I'm going to stick to put you on the back burner for a second, Don, because this is something I don't want to forget. I got an email from a guy last night. It broke my heart. Okay. And uh, I, he's uh, he heard me on RBN and he was a very loyal Ralph Winteroud listener and had been working with Ralph on his particular case for years, he said. And IRS was after him, and um, Ralph was helping him pro se, and they they came after him for four counts of failure to file. And uh, he, uh, because Ralph was helping him fight some of that stuff, and of course, then Ralph dies. And uh, he just got sentenced to 46 months. And here's a guy, He's a he was a, a, a retired career uh, or some sort of a career in the military. He was a jet pilot, uh, all this wonderful qualifications in history. And here's this poor guy going to federal prison for almost four years because of this crap. It just broke my heart. Okay. And so I copied Glenn on my reply to him, and, uh, and Glenn sent him some real nice words, you know. Uh, from his experience in that situation. So anyway, I just wanted to mention it, and that's why this is important, and it's important for you, especially if you've got a clean slate, and because getting out of IRS this way is real easy. And in all of the years that we've been doing that, outside of that initial one with Shane out there, which is another situation just like we're talking about here with with, uh, Dawn, uh, get this really letter and give $5,000 frivolous filing penalty and there's no more discussion and this, that, and the other. It was signed by somebody. Uh, and uh, so uh, we drafted a letter and sent it back to him. Somebody that read its eyeballs burned. I promise you it burned somebody's retina. And um, uh, we never heard from them again. And they've never sent out another one. And that's why on your cover letter we suggest you put this is not a filing. Because of that one response they've got left, now that you take that out from under them, they got nothing. Okay, so they're a little. We got their mojo. All right, we know where they got the goodies hid, and when you expose the goodies, now we got them, and they can't do a damn thing about it. Go on, Don. Okay, so now it says. Um, and must comply with the California requirements for licensing, registration, and insurance in order to operate a motorcraft vehicle. You mean those are the requirements that are, are written for residents? Are those the requirements you're referring to? And also, I can. that's where I can put, I do not have to comply with statutes and regulations. Um, as I'm under, not a res, as I'm not a resident under the scope and purview of the Fourteenth Amendment, 
as evidenced by the affidavit that you refuse to recognize. <laughs> I got I got a little way of looking at it here. Okay, hey Samuel. Hi. You know, everything that they said to Don is true for a resident. It is. And a citizen. So I would attack it from the point, okay, um, given the fact that their statutes are going to be full of that in the DMV law, right? Of course. That's how they're speaking to you. So given the fact that I'm not a resident and a a non-citizen, how would DMV law apply to me? And what is my remedy? Samuel, let me throw something in there that just hit me. Remember the letter you got back in response, Don, from the attorney general of your wonderful state out there? And they said, we do take concern for private citizens. Yes. You you might want to take that phrase and throw it in there somewhere. Oh, and say where it came from. Yeah. Do, so, do all these regulations, do all these things you're quoting here to me, do those apply to private citizens also? Something to that effect, however you want to turn individuals. it. Uh, yeah. yeah. And good morning. This is Paget. May I? Um, oh, my you? Lord. Look who's come to the stage here. Hey, girl. And I am about to leave, but um, good morning, everyone. And Dawn, I just wanted to tell you how I'm going to handle it. I'm not dealing with the DMV at all, except... I will be sending them a letter saying I revoke this license plate number as I'm leaving the jurisdiction. <laughs> now, that's all they need to know. Uh, they can look at it like I'm going to Arizona. They can look at it however they want to look at it. I have I have sent in for my record because I have decades and decades and decades. And before I keep going on and on, before you know how old I am, many decades <laughs> of, of awesome, quote unquote, driving record. So I have asked for it. And I'm going to have that in my little file that I that I travel with. But I will be writing them revoking my number just simply. I'm leaving the jurisdiction. And there's no that's how when I do my manufacturer statement of origin, when I go get my next car, I am I'm I'm going internationally. I need that statement. I'm going internationally and they can look at it like I'm going to Australia if they want. I don't care, but I'm leaving their jurisdiction. So anyway, that's how I'm dealing with it. And as for the let's see what's in our administrative file, Mr. Blinken. I am up to like my third letter or something with them trying to see what's in my mom's administrative file where, you know, she's writing the letter. Right. Um, they are, they are like, I'm sorry, you weren't clear. You weren't clear what's in here. So, or uh, another one I got was, um, we don't deal with that. We don't deal with citizenship. I mean, um, I'm, I'm not I'm asking you, you're dealing with contents of a folder, well, you know? Right, right. But I mean, the citizenship evidence, oh, well, we don't deal with it. I mean, the lies after lies. I mean, I've got, I'm on like my third group of people who are like, huh, administrative file. And I'm like, look, you either tell me what's in there. And I name a whole bunch of stuff that should be in there. Uh, uh, tell me there is no administrative file. Tell me this file is not for the public and you keep it private. Tell me something. You know, but anyway, so I've gotten nowhere with that so far. Okay, now, <laughs> except that I'm getting a whole bunch of addresses. Right, but now, Paget, you know, you've got they've got so many days to respond. I don't know if those what they're sending you would technically be yes. a response. Yes, but, they do it in a timely manner. They okay, do. all right. But uh, how they respond is just really stupid, though. Of course, like, and uh, but once they that? well, once they cross that line, you can and you you'd be a person that could, I believe, take them to federal court. You know, judicial watch all. 
all of the stuff that Judicial Watch gets on these people, where they get all these cross files and other things, are all on FOIA requests, and they take them to court, and the courts make them produce. We'll they're see. very I'm, good. They're very good on that. Evidently, the courts. So, just an idea for you, okay? Well, right now, I'm practicing with little things because I am becoming a counselor of common law, and I am. <laughs> I, I mean, totally. I, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no! Don't go there in person. Put it in an affidavit form because then they can't question you. I'm like getting like you know, I'm getting it down. But um, I need to uh, gain a lot more um, light. I need to. I need to be a lot stronger than I am before I. Uh, you know, take on the big guys. Right. But I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm there. I mean, we're, I'm getting there. But anyway, Don, I just wanted to let you know that's how I'm going to deal with it. I'm just, I'm not even going to bother with all that stuff. I'm just going to be like, here, I revoke this number. You can have it back. I'm leaving the jurisdiction. Bye. No more discussion is needed. No more discussion. <laughs> and in fact, I will carry that with me in my file. I'm making a file because I'm getting ready because all along I said I'm not getting a real ID. So I have till August to get out. You, so you know, Don, you might open that with you make it appear. Let's see if I can phrase this in my mind. You make it appear like this is your decision. My status is my decision. If it's your decision, you stand in open tyranny. Something to that effect. And then what whatever follows that you want to put down. So just an idea. Um because there's, so, there's only when they start doing this crap now you got two ways to come back and you know you're either free or you're a slave right back to that little either or deal okay you're either a, a, a guilty of unbelievable discrimination or else you're a tyrant which one is it well roger isn't it true that we already discussed that they cannot license you to drive if you're a non-resident that's correct and I guarantee you that sentence, that sentence, you, 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 you may want to go look in the California codes, Don, and where you want to go look is in the traffic, wherever it's, the traffic laws are, and the area of that body of laws, statutes, that deal with residency. You know, you've been in the state longer than 30 days or whatever, and I guarantee you this sentence is in there. The term resident is a rebuttable presumption. I guarantee it's in there. And the reason I know it's in there is because all the traffic laws are uniform. And that means they're all the same in 50 states. They might not be the exact same everything, but they got the same stuff in them. And that has, if it isn't in there, I'll be shocked. Okay. Okay. So it's a California code that has to do with driving as a resident? Correct. Well, that's with residency. Oh, with residency. They'll, they'll they'll have some stipulations on their definition of what constitutes you being a resident. You've been in the state longer than thirty days is one sixty days, whatever they you know uh, uh, define it as. But somewhere in that little area, that statement is the term residence a rebuttable presumption. Um, so you might again, I'm just throwing ideas at you as you're going through this. Okay. Um, Paget, by the okay. way, Paget, good to hear from you, girl, and uh, come back and see us more Thank often. You. Okay. I'm very busy. I've read like 16 books this year. <laughs> I'm all <so> tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, with all that energy, I can understand why. Hmm. You got yeah. some active cool. mitochondria, girl. <laughs> okay. Bye, everyone. Have a good day. <laughs> See you, pageant. Yeah. The thing is, is that I'm still, because I don't own my car, 
I'm still uh-huh. forced to do registering. Right. I'm still right. to have the driver's license. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm forced to have a driver's license, but I definitely am forced to register, get insurance. You are okay because somebody else is somebody else's collateral. How are you close to paying that thing off by any chance? No. Not even, close. not even, not even a blink or a wink. Okay. No, which is why this is so funny because I, I never asked, I never said that I'm not going to have a driver's license or that I'm not going to register my car. I never said any of that. I'm just saying, hey, please put this in my file because I want it. Isn't this an interesting knee jerk reaction from them? Yeah. It's crazy. Uh huh. Which is why the this response is like so out of the blue and, and violent. I mean, it's it, it's very tyrannical. And I didn't say anything except put this in my file, right? Please. And you might, you, you know, otherwise you might think that there's some sort of a memo floating around all the government agencies up there about mm-hmm. this what we're doing here, wouldn't might you? Yeah, I mean, it, it totally seems that way, especially when the last paragraph and the fact that it's not signed is is seeming to be a general response from mm-hmm. all of them you know and I, I know you got somebody coming in a minute i don't want to deter you too much but samuel has oh, a so customer funny. here uh out there in california that is a gal that's retired that used to write regulations for the state and he put all of our information in front of her and what'd she say samuel she said nice theory but i'm not buying it something to that effect right yeah so, have you ever had any more contact with her on about this, or are we on anything? I'm, I'm going to be working for her next week, I think. Oh, good. Okay. She's also taken taking the jab when she said she wouldn't. Oh. But you know, um, when I was in the DMV last, my um, registration had lapsed, and I was in there with one of the older girls who was in that office. She was probably close to retirement. And I said, oh, shoot, I forgot to get this done on time. And now I got to pay the penalty. And I says, what happens if I don't sign back up? And she says, well, we can't force you to sign up. She says, but you'll just have to deal with the officer when he pulls you over. <laughs> ah, there's your there's your voluntary nature right there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and I think if you, you deal with them with a passport, and I've only got my old one, which is expired a long time ago but i'm thinking of uh using that instead of my license have my license obviously and that expires next year so by then i want to also have my new passport in hand and then be able to deal with them that way and maybe potentially sell my car and get a bill of sale and then proceed that way uh don you, let's see if i can get my thought back that's not a bad idea that you may want to consider is now that you've got your passport back mm-hmm. of uh, making a copy of it or the card and including it as an, a, an addendum to your letter and just saying this is the passport that's issued on that affidavit by the secretary of the state of, of the united states I think he's a higher authority than your office in California. And if you disagree with my affidavit, why don't you just trump it by writing one of your own disputing my facts? 
So, and maybe use the fact that they've issued you a passport from a federal office on that very document that they're saying is the basis of they do not recognize. So just another, I'm just throwing ideas at you, okay? Yep. Uh, next statement is, under California law, driving a vehicle is a privilege granted by the state through its power to regulate traffic. So... Uh, well, driving a vehicle is a privilege, right? But yes, driving right. driving is yes, traveling's not right. And it's interesting uh, that they refer to the difference in that letter at some point. Yes, yes, in the second paragraph. Um. Oh wait, no. In the first par- in this paragraph, it says it is not a right, regardless of whether the travel is personal use right. or commercial. Right, thing. right. So they're going in there and differentiating it. They know damn well the difference. More evidence that they're lying, outright lying. And I do have a document that has a bunch of um, court cases that shows there that there is a difference. Okay, good. Well, you could include a few of those just to salt and pepper it up a little bit. Yep. Um, DMV does not have the authority to exempt you from licensing and registration laws. They don't have the authority to make you do it either. So Samuel just told us. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that voluntary? (laughs) You got a lot of ammunition here, girl. Oh my God! This letter, I was just, I was, I was appalled, but I was happy because we're outright lying, and I know it's, it's easily refutable. It's really, really mentally stimulating, isn't it? And I know when you get something like that, you recoil initially, you know. And then that's why I said the best thing to do is to step back and let the dust settle for a few days, and not just sit there right there at that moment and draft something and shoot it back to him in return mail. It's best if you let the dust settle because all these neat little ideas come to you, see? And if you shot that thing back immediately, it wouldn't be in there. Right. And you got, uh, I'm not sure what the time, there's really no specific time. This isn't a lawsuit, but, you know, anywhere within 90 days, you got 90 days, it should be a good cushion to send it back. 30, certainly, okay? But uh, but it's good to step back when you get these things and let the dust settle. I remember when I was fighting the IRS and I'd get IRS correspondence, and you go to the mailbox and there's that letter sitting in there, and your knees start getting weak. You hadn't even opened the damn thing yet, right? Right. And, uh, and so, and, and that's why, uh, it's good to let it settle. And if you do sit down, and that's a tendency, I think, of a lot of us to draft something and shoot it back to them. And then the next day, you think, oh, dead come, I wish I'd have put that in there, you know, and it's already gone. See? So that's Roger, why I made that Roger. suggestion. Yes. Who's, uh, who's Rogering me? Dan from Pittsburgh. I hey, want to Dan. Throw in, I want to throw in an extreme example and then ask a question. Um, let's say, in Dawn's new status, she wants to open up a chicken farm on her property with roosters, and she wants to burn rubber tires 24 hours a day. <laughs> okay, just this is an absurd example. But the question is, uh, isn't it absurd to think that the state of California has no recourse against her activity? 
Well, in, in a sense of burning the rubber tires and the pollution that would cause, it is hard to believe they wouldn't have some recourse on that, isn't it? Now, the roosters. So what's uh, the, what's roosters, the difference? Do no harm. Well, you know that in in a common law situation, there has to be an injured party. If you're polluting the air, in essence, that would be injuring somebody. You know, in, right. a, in a general sense. So everybody's uh, breathing that. Like, hey, Dan, look, I'm the first one to tell you I don't have all the answers. I got most of them, but I don't have all of them. Okay. Yeah, I'm just you know I I hearken back to my dad telling me you can't fight city hall, and I'm just wondering. Well, let me tell you, your dad was wrong. My parents told me that too, and and I fought them and beat them. Okay, so. But I do agree with the do no harm. Like they definitely have well the ability to come over the top and rule over you if you are doing harm. But- Others, you know, and that's why I say sometimes I've had people that I've advised or helped do this that I don't know they'd necessarily need to be nationals, in all honesty. Okay. Uh, and this kind of personal responsibility is where I think your question would, would land, Dan. Your hypothetical situation there would land on somebody with personal responsibility and not wanting to further screw up the air or mess with their neighbors or whatever's going on there with a tire fire. Uh, the roosters, that's a different story. Yeah, so me being unlicensed or unregistered um, doesn't harm anyone at all. Nope. And nope. so they've got no recourse to come after me. If I choose it to the state. Did you say it harms the state, Dave? Is that what you said? Well, it harms their little ego because they think they're gods. They get their little egos bruised. Well, so. and it's crazy because they've been trained. Like, I even have a friend who used to work in the DMV. She doesn't anymore because she won't take the job. Um, but when I told her, when I, I read this letter to her, she's like, yeah, I heard that, that uh, even if you're traveling um, and not doing commerce, it's still, you still need to be licensed. That's so just this not, is the courts totally disagree here. with that. Exactly. But this again this is what they're training they're training people lies right so they're gonna they're kind of our for their first defense for people who come at them and so their their workling bees um refute this and think that they're in the right when they're not and so they figure oh well Nine times out of ten, the person getting this response letter is going to back down. That's exactly what they're banking on right there. Yep. I've uh, I've maintained since the start with the ones. Is that Mr. Darrell? Hold on a second, Darrell, if you would. I've maintained since the start when we started getting these bluff letters from the Secretary of State that that's exactly what they're doing is they're testing you and putting that in front of you to make sure you know what you're doing and what you're talking about because the subtleties of getting out of it are right there. But you got to understand what that little phrase, for example, except by operational law. 
and things like that you gotta like you didn't you didn't know the difference don okay so that's the kind of stuff and if let's say they're sending it to a bunch of anavon rights and david Strait people to see if they know what they what they're doing because every time we've ever had anybody redress that they've gotten their documents so uh mr daryl you got something to add for us there welcome back by the way yeah hi <clears throat> good morning i i really uh <clears throat> can't resist the uh, topic of resident yeah sucked, and, sucked uh, you right in didn't we? Dawn, yeah it's kind of a big deal <clears throat> because it establishes the premise so uh, i have some words terms that you really need to write down and spend a little time looking up after i i bring there to your attention uh, uh and you, you probably need to go to a Black's Law, um, yep. you know, whatever one you have available to you. And you have to you have to really comprehend these definitions and, and what they're explicitly saying uh, and, and how it relates to the premise they're using uh, for you. <laughs> and and so the, the first one is res, R-E-S. And it's just one little word, and it goes on for pages, mm-hmm. literally pages. Uh, Let me ask Don. The, let's uh, put Don on the spot right here, Daryl. Do you yeah. know what res is legally defined, Don? R e s. Yes. Uh, no. The thing. No, the thing. A thing. Yeah. Oh, a particular thing. No. Well. Now that's that's uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to uh, debate that at all because it actually says that. But then it also goes on to say it can mean other things. <laughs> uh, and uh, in classification oh, of a res, uh, of course, this is this is what word sorcery always does. It means this except uh, so under the under the title of classification. It says this, things, res, in parentheses, have been variously divided and classified in law, e.g. the following ways. Corporeal and incorporeal things. Huh? Mm -hmm. Uh, A corporeal body can be in res. Mm. Movables, immovables. Uh, things real and things personal, things in possession and cho- and uh, cho- choice choices in action, fungible things, things not fungible, um, individual objects. Um, <clears throat> at the bottom of this, it says all persons are for some purposes and in certain respects regarded as things. So. Uh, Le- this, le- this idea how about res, all how about all legal persons yeah. well uh i i believe that when they, uh, uh that's a good point roger i believe that when they use this uh, word term persons in the diction in this uh, legal dictionary yep. that that is that is the primary uh context yep. of of the use of that word as in persons right um now 
like I said, res has um, many prefixes. Or, or uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I misstated that. It has many suffixes uh, that, that go along with res. And one of particular interest is called the res ipsa loquitur. Locator. 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 Yeah, uh, easy for you to say. Um, <laughs> Only because I heard my law teacher and, say it. <laughs> res ipsa locator. You're, you're so loquacious. To, to, be, to say it, you have to be loquacious. Uh, the, and it's, it's rep, res ipsa loquitur. Uh, the thing speaks for itself, mm-hmm. period. It also goes on to say that this is a rebuttable presumption there you go. or inference that defendant was negligent. Okay, so uh, also with res, it also takes into the uh, understanding uh, historically that it's associated and can be associated with a trust and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also goes on to say that uh, depending upon the situation I, I'm not trying to muddy it I'm trying to show you how it has been muddied <clears throat> the term is particularly applied to an object subject matter or status considered as defendant in an action now a defendant would have to be corporal or as an object against which directly proceedings are taking, are taken. Uh, uh, maybe that's the cotton bill. Uh, thus, in Pry's case, the captured vessel is the res. Notice so, prize. Notice prize. What he just said right there, folks, from yesterday. Prize. What's prize? It's the remedy and admiralty. So how does how does this how does this relate to what well, what they're calling uh the uh the motive modus uh, action, uh authorizing aspect of this thing called resident well it's let's see let's let's break that word down again well we've done this a number of times here right right here yeah a couple res thing uh, ident, <laughs> I don't. the thing identified, identifying okay. the thing um, as something you have jurisdiction over, and and they apply they apply this remedy. So, I <clears throat> I don't bother you here much anymore because you're so busy with a lot of really wonderful wonderful new people yeah it's, great. Just, it's really gratifying uh, to see it happen mind-bending finally. mind-bendingly good at, at what they're doing um and exemplars uh but this this particular foundational understanding of this word and how they're weaponizing it on you uh, i don't know if you want to put it in an affidavit or in in, in your comments with them but when you understand what these words are actually doing, uh, what what they're building their foundation on, it's really important. And the uh, 
the other the other word term that you should familiarize yourself with is uh, is uh, REM. Very REM. much. You mentioned it yesterday, <laughs> didn't we? Um, Don and audience, I have come to find out through my travels and understanding, just thinking about this stuff as much as I do, that resident is the key term in this entire New World Order scheme because it applies to every country. And I've maintained for a while, yep. if somebody really wants to go do, do a deep dig and dive, if somebody will go back to the etymology, I believe is the, the term on that word, and find out where they separated a legal and a geographical definition to set up the equivocation that we're dealing with here, that you'll find the origins of this New World Order plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just briefly, the NREM is stated as such. It's a technical term used to designate proceedings or actions instituted against the thing mm-hmm. in contradistinction to personal actions which are said to be in personam mm-hmm. so they're not they're not relating to you in personam you're uh, these these are uh, in rem because this residency you, you could look at it this way residency is the acceptance of when you accept residency, identify with residency, uh, you uh, become an article in commerce. It's like if you go back to Black's first, I was researching this word, and I've got all the Black's Law dictionaries on digitally, and I went back and I was reading. It wasn't resident. It was residence, okay? And it was a turn-of-the-century case from last century, and it said where you live to receive your benefits and discharge your duties is your residence. So the resident label is what system of law are you under? That's why they ask you out in the states if you're a resident. That means when you answer yes, you're confirming that you're under the laws of Washington, D.C. That's why if you're going to go back to IRS, I've never heard anybody else mention this, by the way, okay? And I know it because of my teacher, Gary Bryant's information. Title 26, the Internal Revenue Code, was never passed by the Senate, and it was never signed by the President. It was only passed by the House of Representatives, and then it ends up in the United States Code as its own title because the House has exclusive jurisdiction over D.C., and the tax code applies to D.C. unless you're a resident where it means you're under the laws of D.C. And that's how they're doing this to you. Which is always, which is why they had to have, they had to have the civil law. They had to have the civil law because that's part of the remedy associated with a municipality, uh, a municipal. <laughs> and the District of Columbia is, is not the federal District of Columbia. <laughs> I, I was just okay. in the California. It's a separate parallel state. Samuel's it's a municipal. Got, what you got, yeah, Samuel? I was just, I, yeah, I was just in the California DMV site, and uh, you could pretty much be anybody from anywhere, but to apply for that license, you must have two documents showing an address, a residency in the state, 
in order to be issued a license. Like a gas bill and a something else. Oh, they, they mentioned a, about three dozen. It, it, it's just, it, I mean, if if you're going to school and you've been registered for, I mean, they'll take anything. But they just want two residencies proof. And you could be anybody. You could be a, a foreign person with an expired passport. You know, they don't care. Right. Uh, but that residency has got to be proven with a physical address. They're even issuing driver's licenses out there to illegal immigrants, I believe, aren't they? Haven't I heard yeah. that? If I may. Yep. Dave? Yeah, can you, can you hand them a piece of paper that comes in the mail that says current resident? Probably. I'm sure they'd accept it. Their list of what they'll accept is absolutely endless. It's just <laughs> the only thing they want is to make sure that you call yourself a resident twice. That's it, that you voluntarily do it. Don, I know you had a time limit, and I don't want to run you oh, over no. time. Are we all right? Yeah, we're good. Um, I just wanted to give myself enough time to go over this. Cause okay. They're not coming until around 10. Okay. Oh, well, that's right. You're in California time. You got a little bit of time. Well, again, I would stress that, you know, you don't have to get this in the mail back to them today. But I think this session here is very instructive for everybody. And I love teaching situations where everybody learns, see. And now everybody kind of has a little bit better idea and a little less intimidated, I hope, if you get one of these types of letters back from somebody that you're corresponding with in this capacity. Roger. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, I've been listening in. Uh, this is Thomas. Hey, Thomas. Oh, yeah, for our South Florida boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I spoke with you about this before. I think it was after the show was over and you were still on the line. And, you know, uh, Alfred Addis became quite fond of and had on more than a couple of times on his show uh, Jack and Margie Flynn, who are a couple of real legal beagles, and they're still alive and well. And oh, those are the. I remember those people that went over. They were gas people, and they had that deal in Libya or something that they screwed them out of. Isn't that the no, same too? No, no, this is no, 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 no. That yeah, no, that was a different couple. Okay, that you're talking about yeah, yeah. Um, he's deceased now, apparently. Um, no, they were kind of. They got into a type of a. Uh, it was a kind of an aggressive notice that they called, and I'm not sure if they just found it or they. I don't. I doubt whether they invented it. It was called a presumptive notice. In other words, everybody that today is talking about, well, I sent them this, this affidavit. Well, number one, they, they get their, their, their response back, and nobody even signs it. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that's not even valid. Correct. You can't even, there's no way to, who, who sent it back? Correct. What they would do is they would send, they would go according to the law of notice. Basically, an unrebutted affidavit stands as true. Is, is, is a fact, and they would like, like for instance, I, I kind of rip an example here. It's a little bit long, but not too long. But let's say um, you sent a presumptive notice to Secretary of State Blinken, and you're not just telling him, you know, what you want to be. What you would say is, um, you send him the notice regularly with, you know, the, uh, the the just like a notice, and you'd have it at, you'd have it notarized. And you'd set it certified and all that. And for instance, this would be this would be it. You'd say, uh, please disaffirm the following facts using substantive law uh, and evidence. And you'd basically say, um, actually, three facts. 
after the Civil War, the 14th Amendment was passed to protect the newly freed slaves, giving them the political status of U.S. citizens. Two, the passage of the 14th Amendment did not affect or change existing political status of white citizens known as state nationals and now known as U.S. nationals. Three, I have the right to choose which political status I want to be. Then you say, you have 30 days to respond to me in notarized affidavit form, including the name of the man or woman signing the affidavit. Failure to reply in 30 days to this notice, disaffirming the above statements, means you acquiesce to yep. their validity. Yep, deems consent. Now, if that's sent off, and then you wait the 30 days, and they, they can't really respond. Of course they can't. So this can be used, and your imagination <laughs> can be used for any of this. Like that lady could say, let's say there was... There were state, there was court cases in California where they did say, "Oh yeah, private means of conveyance is traveling. You don't need to have a, a, a driver's license because you're blah blah blah." If she could list a series of those, send them into DMV and say, "Please disaffirm these that these ever you know that these were struck down yeah. or whatever." Yeah, well, please show me where they were overturned on appeal. And after thirty days, according to Jack and Margie Flynn, you take that affidavit down to the courthouse and you record you it in file the it. recording. Right. Now you walk away with an affidavit in your hand. If DMV says that's not true, you can say, "You no, you say it's true. I don't say it's true. Look, here, I sent this to you. Yep. You never, you never rebutted I, it. I, li- I hope you guys are listening to this because this is kind of new and novel to me, and I think it's very, very well substantively grounded and very well thought through, and I think it's an exceptionally good tactic. Thank you, Thomas. You know, but I mean, you can use it in any any situation. It, it, it's as good as your imagination. And basically, in the end, like I always say, you could actually end up in court with one of these jokes. Right. And you could, and then you you, you, know, you could say to the judge, "Listen, I think we need to settle this right here and now because it's absolutely true what I'm claiming." And my my opponent here he even agrees, and he'll go, "How's that? I got an affidavit here." It'll never <laughs> it'll never reach a courtroom. <laughs> no, I know. How's Zorro doing? Oh, he's good. I saw him a little while ago. Did you yeah. tell him hello for me, please? Oh, I did. I did. I did. I said he's still, so, he's still on. He should listen, but, you know, he's busy doing stuff. And yeah. And this is a case. He's the, Zorro, the guy we're talking about here, a mutual friend of mine and Thomas's, was the very first person that ever res- responded to me when I was on the uh, radio on RBN for the very first time. Okay. And, oh no, Mitch Mitch Modaleski said that's not true. <laughs> non resident alien. And, and so that's how our, our relationship started. And uh he's uh, you know, Daryl, he's about like Tom Schramm. Uh he'd been down there in every courtroom screwing muddying up the water for years. And he well that affidavit, I said, Well, did you put everybody on notice? See, we didn't realize all that back then, you know. Filing it is one thing, but you got to let the other key people know it's been filed, and that's the notice part and the weaponization part of this. And he goes, "No, I didn't do that." I said, "Well, that's why I don't. I think that's why he wasn't having any success, honestly." Uh, but that's just a failing that we just didn't know that back then, you know. But he's a real good guy. His dad was a PGA golfer and uh, just a real fine, really fine patriot warrior. And please send him my best, Thomas, if you would. Yeah, I will. So, um, yeah, I mean, you could actually you say this This could be sent off to anyone you want to send it to in the government. Like, for instance, you could send off the definition of person. 
Get them to disprove the various definitions of person. Right. By the way, when Daryl was yanking blacks out a few minutes ago and that came up, person in there, have you ever gone, Daryl, have you gone to blacks and looked up person? The one of the newer ones. The, on the older ones, I think it had more expansive uh, stuff. But in the newer ones, they got a little sentence that said, this is particularly important because the word persons is mentioned in the 14th Amendment. <clears throat> well, <laughs> yeah, it's the it's it's the Civil War was for the civil law. Yeah, the Civil okay, War was a, fought to make a, you a person I, I, under their jurisdiction, folks. Okay, period. And, and that 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 personage that personage falls under Rome. Yep. Okay, uh, and and that's the that's the municipality, the municipality of D.C is its roman presence that's rome don't forget it was two catholic very wealthy catholic brothers that donated that land that is dc now and don't forget about persephone persephone sits atop the capitol persephone is the most widely viewed idol image in the world they say okay and the, the legend the Persephone, is, yeah. Go ahead, Daryl. Well, you, you give her, give us Persephone's. I'm, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. That's okay. Per, per, Persephone is also known as Astarte. Ah, Astarte. Okay. okay so, and, and the legend is, you know, she owns is, everything yeah, she oversees. And and her her symbol, her symbol is the five pointed star. Oh. The pentagram. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and her destiny is manifest. Columbia, same thing. Yes, very, very. Uh, uh, Persephone, Astarte, Columbia—they're all the same. Mm-hmm. The District of Columbia, the District mm-hmm. of Astarte, the District of the Pentagram. I uh, so there's you know I I know there's a lot of people who are into the nuts and bolts, but there's this other aspect of the symbology and the esoteric that. This is their belief system, and this is intertwined with Freemasonry. Yeah, so yeah, you're going to you're, uh, you're peeling a couple of levels of the onion back right there. Go ahead, Don. What's your comment? This this is Thomas that's talking, right? Oh, I, uh, no, this is Daryl. You haven't met Daryl. Oh, he hasn't been sorry. around since sorry, you started Darryl. coming around, Don. Uh, no, I'd heard Daryl before. Okay, um, it back in December, I think. Though. I see. Uh, Daryl, I don't know if you've seen this movie or not, but it's called The Belly of the Beast, and it's by the Fall Brothers, F-A-U-L Brothers, Hmm. and they break down all of that stuff, and it's fascinating. Really? About the whole thin kind of... I have, yeah. Oh, they're... Yeah. That... I have... I I think I got that movie about... uh, I think... I was like number ten in line to get it. I have a, I don't know. It's at this point, it's it's sort of weird because I'm like one of these people that is surrounded by books and you can't move, and yeah. uh, <laughs> and and information. So it, uh, I have a library, uh, sort of, <clears throat> and yeah. So if anybody wants you, I think you can see this. If anybody, Dawn is exactly right. Uh, yeah, you can get it on Venmo. Various, you're very, yeah, you're, you're very astute, Don. 
uh, bit shooter <laughs> or rumble to belly of the beast is the name of it i have not heard of that before yeah. and i'd like to yeah. watch it actually you you yeah, won't they even you won't down yeah. um they have an interview, like an hour interview that End of Times Productions does with them. Uh-huh. That's free on YouTube. Uh-huh. That's fascinating. And then you can actually yeah. purchase the DVD from them, which is like $20, $20 yeah. $20. Or you can purchase it yep. on Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O. Right. It's pay to view? It, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I, would, I would recommend people buy the buy the yeah. actual physical copy then you with everything it. that's going on and exactly. you, you know you can yeah you uh so much so with all the research i do uh, uh i find that you know there's so much that i have on an old hard drive that i can't even find anymore right. like all the i have a complete list of all the canon laws going back into forever and you can't get it now you can't find it anywhere it's firewalled, so uh, they're trying to they're trying to cover up their crime, you know. So yeah, they got to oh, change history. Like, you can't change history without get, uh, sweeping it under the rug. Go ahead, Don. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. I think someone has downloaded it on Bitshoot. Okay, I'll go look. I'll uh, go look on Bitshoot if they haven't stopped have, them from showing it. Um, I have one other thing on residency. You know, if you tell them that you're a non-resident, the state is probably going to look at that as if you don't exist in the state. So you might want to tell them that you are domiciled in the state. Correct. Hey, Raj. Listen, there's Mr. Georgia Allen boy. Hey, bud, how you doing? All right. Y'all keep talking about this, but how come people don't want to use the verbiage that's in the Constitution and the preamble? Which verbiage are you referring to? People. People. If she says, I'm not a resident, I'm not a citizen under the scope and purview of the 14th Amendment, but I am one of the people of California. You could use that, or you could use a private citizen as the Attorney General used in their response to her earlier. Well, just in the Constitution and all, I mean, it, it says people and people, but you really can't find. I've looked and looked and not really been able to find a good definition and it doesn't put that in any of the laws. How I about, think I would put that in an affidavit, send it to them, and then ask them, you know, what laws govern me now? How about putting an adjective in there, one of the free people? Well, yeah, that too, you could. One of the free people. Okay. Good suggestion. Well, Get people, something to noodle on, Don. People might be referring to the guys who thought that they were the people, the founders, and not anybody else. Well, it may have been, and I know, but I know what they were, and I know what my relationship is to them. I'm, I'm and we know in the same relationship as they were, and we know what their relationship was to God. Yeah, yeah. agnostic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, a deist. Well, um, okay. Patrick, Patrick Henry, Patrick Henry said in the Virginia ratification of. Of the 1787 convention, Patrick Henry says, by what means do you claim to write this as we the people? Because Patrick Henry knew that this was a contravention of God's rule, what they were doing. He knew that. 
because we went from a taking a oath and the Articles of Convent or Articles of Confederation, every state had to take, except for Delaware, had to take an oath recognizing the sovereign of the God of the creator of the universe over the state and the Constitution abolished all of that you you read one of those one day so, on the air you dug it up somewhere and read that oath did, specifically yeah. well patrick patrick henry was so uh much an advocate of this that thomas jefferson and i'm in his second term <laughs> and i'm uh i'm paraphrasing this uh <clears throat> but thomas jefferson says uh uh, make I, I'm paraphrasing he sa- he basically says uh, uh, something about to the effect of hopefully Patrick Henry will die <laughs> okay <laughs> we can't have him <laughs> you know because he's, he's actually he's actually genuinely advocating for the position as God's sovereign over over our nation and uh uh, I wish uh, I'll dig up the quote someday. Is this, is that, is that, uh, the Unitarian. Yeah. Go ahead, Samuel. So, well, Je- Jefferson was a Unitarian, yeah. so Christ was out, right? So, you know, if if I were to do this, I wouldn't use people. I would go back to Genesis and use dominion or domain, and 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 keep it there and cite the Bible. They don't like that because that's, well, that's the rule right. of all law. That's there. There's a lot of truth right there. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. We, have, we have two more paragraphs. Okay, today. let's get. Yeah, let's plow ahead because I know you're on it. Well, we're we're all on a schedule now. Yeah. So. <laughs> good um, discussion okay. though, Don. Very good discussion today. I love these kind of shows right here. Yay! Where we go in and pick oh, some pick some nets. Yeah, if we all keep pushing the envelope, we'll get more and more uh, practice. Well, that's the whole value and the purpose of this forum, the way it's structured and how we do things around here, so that everybody has the chance to learn. Yep. Okay, so additionally, California law establishes punitive measures to be taken. When a person operates a motor vehicle without complying with licensing and registration laws, that's not a loaded. That's not a loaded sentence, is it? (laughs) All of their law enforcement in California. When a person operates a motor vehicle without complying, all right. Let's go. Let's let's read between when a. When a legal person operates a motor vehicle in, in commerce on the highways of California, and it's it's interesting how they phrase that. Okay, when a legal person, that's how it should be, Yes, operates a motor vehicle without complying with licensing and registration laws, the person, the legal person is subject to citation and or the vehicle is subject to impoundment by a law enforcement officer. Okay. And how do you redress that? How do you redress that? Just like we talked about at length yesterday. A legal person. That's exactly right. A legal person. Considered according to the rank he holds in society with all the rights 
to which the place he holds entitles them and the duties which it imposes. I receive no civil rights from the 14th Amendment and therefore owe no correlative duties as that legal person. If I may. Go ahead, Dave. Roger. No, Roger. The oh, 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 oh. Law Go ahead, Dave. And we're gonna get, yeah, hold on. We'll get, to, we'll get to the lady after Dave. He had already started. Go ahead, Dave. What is the definition of a law enforcement officer? Well, that's another. They're that's, not out there enforcing laws. They're not peace officers. They're cops. Okay, that that role has changed. Let's see who the who the lady was that was trying to get in. Thank you, Dave. Who who was that? Hi, this is Kay. Hey, Hi. Kay. Yeah. Hi. Um. You know, I want to add my two cents into some of the discussion. Okay. When it comes to Thomas Jefferson, I want to remind people that it is a communist. Um, gosh, you know, I forget what what that is. It's a um, one of those communist ways that they try to take over a country to degrade the founders. That's exactly correct. Yep. I want to remind people of that, and also. Thomas Jefferson is not here to comment on that, to say he didn't believe in Jesus. How do we know that? You know, to say he was a deist only. How do we really? He's not here to actually talk back to those uh, particular accusations. And I really don't think it's wise for us to degrade the founders, and particularly one of the main founders of our uh, country. He was not there for the constitutional convention. He wasn't there. You know, he, how he, do we know he really said one can write anything about anything now and say it's true and not even have to to cite some sort of letter or or some sort of something and even if they could. We are none of us perfect. None of us. Boy, far from it. Wasn't he in France as the ambassador to France when the Constitution was drafted? He was. They sent him to France. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, I, I can't stay on the line. I just had to put my two cents Okay, well, thank you. I disagree with for y'all, let me inter- let me introduce Kay to you. She's one again, one of the initial people that responded when this broadcast started eleven years ago. And her and her husband Paul used to live out there in Communist California, and she had a really nice experience in the court system as their house was getting uh, seized. And uh, then they moved to Connecticut. So she's gone through trials under fire, and, and they took a sabbatical for a few years. But they're back, and I'm tickled to death to have you in when you, on the rare occasion you get to call in, Kay. Okay, thanks, Roger. And thanks. I, I love you all. I'm not trying to take anyone to task. I just have to put my assistance. Good. Well, we're glad you did. And there you go. Roger. We're, we're glad you did. Somebody else is hollering, Roger. Thank you, Kay. Tell Paul hello. Okay, who was saying okay, Roger? I will. <laughs> who was saying, I was saying Roger? Defense to opinions, absolutely not. Do what now, Don? I said we do not take offense to opinions. No, no, no. We try not to around here. Some people no, might. I mean, we, try we can not agree to. to disagree on some things, but um, I think what she said is very wise. Yep. However, the United um, D.C. and the <laughs> that whole city pretty much 
tells the story and is the proof as to what our founding fathers, the ones that were put on high and given the accolades that we now know, um, the ones that have come through history, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, they were all Freemason. Although it's it's instructive to add, if you go look at George Washington's personal diary, he was Mm -hmm. very aware and very, very abject, suspicious, and did not like the Jacobin factions. So there is a duality there. There's several factions in there, and the ones we're dealing with right now are the Jacobins. Okay. They were all merely men. Yes. Thank you, Murr. Washington was um, a land speculator. It, he had three million acres before he was assassinated by having the blood drain down yeah. of him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just called him because I wanted to clarify uh, Daryl's. Uh, what year was that, Daryl? I can look up the link, but I have the exact quote I memorized from the letter. Well, we'll go ahead and go okay, ahead and read it. Was it. it was his second to Madison. Term. Okay, yeah. I, I can look it up then. But uh, Jefferson to Madison, and he said in this letter. We should fervently pray for the death of Patrick Henry. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, He's a powerful speaker and a uh, devout Christian and had like 12 children. He was really the father of the country. And all you ever hear is, give me liberty or give me death. And he had a whole lot more than that to say. Well, and you know, that I consider yeah. the Declaration to be the, the finest political document ever penned, and that was his work, mostly, not totally, but, you know, uh, and he drew a lot well, of ideas from John Locke and his writings. Well, we should have kept property in, in the ten years. not pursuit of happiness. I, 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 agree, I, agree, I agree with that. Happiness must come from inside or not at all. Without him, yeah. we get no amendments to the Constitution, period. None of them. I want to make sure we get through Don's uh, letter here before we get too sidetracked on this stuff because okay, we got time right. limitations. Thank you, Mur. Uh, Don, can we plow ahead and get uh, yours uh, uh, taken care of if we could? Okay, so after that paragraph is just the last one, and this is the last correspondence you will receive from DMV concerning these issues. DMV will not expend any further resources responding to your future correspondence. <laughs> We're not asking you to respond. I just want you to put this response in my administrative file. Thank you very much. Stop picking on me is what the state <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that letter they sent you is really, really telling. So, do you could say okay, I don't? So I don't I, expect you to respond because I don't see where you got a grounds to respond. Right. So, when I send this letter, am I just sending it back to customer service, or should I call and say, "Hey, who do I send an appeal to regarding an, a letter that?" The well, you're not you're not appealing it. You're responding to it. Okay, the appeal is more of a formal deal, and that uh, is a question you want to keep in your back pocket. What's the next step in exhausting my administrative remedies? Should that arise? I don't think it's arising, and I think right now what the important thing is for you is to draft something that's really substantive that addresses all the crap they sent you and to get it in your administrative file in case you need it later. 
because you're going to do whatever you're going to do and they don't have any authority to, to not do that and if they do now you've got something to take them on and now you've got that in your administrative file to buttress your case should i also state that i don't intend uh anytime soon to not register my car or anything like that no well, just, no, no no don't do that just just tell yeah. them uh-uh. okay um and then i'll probably some, do remember what, brent when you read something to brent and he said don't try the case just send it to him remember when he said that yeah <laughs> don't reveal your strategy yeah yeah no i think that's a good suggestion I, th- I think if you can get them to respond to you, Don, uh, in a way where, you know, they can't license you as a as a non-resident, you're in the clear. And I would focus on get getting them to re- agree with you. You guys, Don's got a quiver. You, you, you got a quiver full of really sharp arrows to, to aim back at them. Okay. We need to make a distinction between geographical and political residency absolutely well here listen here's the deal and you can go into somebody's asking me about this the other day there's a group of books i forget who it was there's a group of books in the law library called words and phrases are y'all familiar with that it's a wonderful, wonderful set of research books, words and phrases. And what they do is they go through and pull words like this out of all these different court cases, and then they take the site that revolves around the word and puts it in there. So you can go look, and it's very instructive, go look at words and phrases. You'll probably have to go to a law library and go look under resident. And one of the responses from a court case says, whenever the word resident is used in any legal context, its definition is always legal. So that's what I said. Whoever wants to be the the researcher that goes back and finds out where they split this word to set up the equivocation and added a geographical definition to it so they could fool you, I think you'll find just about the origins of this plan right here. Okay. And I think I'm going to do the 30 day, like give them 30 days to respond. Yeah. Sit down, noodle on it, let the dust settle, rethink it, reread it. Oh, this might go better like this, that kind of thing. And send them back something real nice and tight that you can put right slap in your administrative file. Hey, Roger. Oh, somebody's got a real faint hey Roger there. Who's that? Boy, not not very well. Well, here I'm making sure. Numerous Supreme Court decisions, just use the wording out of those. Gary, you're so faint, I'm not sure. I heard numerous Supreme Court decisions on traveling, is that versus driving, is that what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah. There's a number of them out there. She's got a list of some of them, and I think some of yours, the list you've got, Don, are those California cases. Did anybody go look up Section Five Twelve dot org and see if that's a valid website still? Five Twelve dot org section. I couldn't I think locate it, it when you, I looked. You couldn't. But, well, it may not be there anymore. But that but. doesn't mean. I could have used a different search engine as well. but I You think it. it would have picked it up. But anyway, there's a guy that Roger? used to – hold on, Dave. Who's got the truck backing up in their yard there? Hold up. That's She's, me. I'm sorry. 
Okay, thank you. Uh, hopefully they got the package there for. Um, that guy, was his name? Nobody Chris would remember, and he's not with us. Uh, he used to rent a place from John Cassarab. That's how I met him. His, I think his name was Rich something. But uh, that was his whole research was in traffic, California State, and it all revolved around some section in your code out there that's 512. Hey, Roger. Yes, sir. Who's that? Mike. Oh, hey, Mike. Hey. Uh, Don, I posted all those uh, Supreme Court rulings in your Telegram channel the other day. Okay, there you go. Okay. If you go look back a couple of days, you'll see it where I posted. There's like five of them. Okay. Thank you, all Mike. Right. Cool. Thank you. Roger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no I got a, hold on. Hold on, Samuel. I got a question. Wouldn't domain be the geography and resident the political? Uh, yes, I think more. I know. I know that's a term John used. I'm. He didn't say domain. He said I'm domiciled. Right. Basically, I think they're the same. But uh, domiciled was the term that he used. You could also put uh, and use the word sojourner. I'm a sojourner here in California. Some people have used that. There's another one. I'm an inhabitant. That's another one. So you got several options there if you want to play around with that. Hi, it's it's Paget again. I'm oh. back, and I'm sorry. It sounds like I've missed a really good conversation. You but have. I have something. Yeah. And by the way, I call myself a dweller. There but, you go. Um, <laughs> I, I thought of something, and I don't know if it's already been said, so I apologize if I'm repeating it. But the bottom line is, if you have a driver's license, you are entering into a contract with them. Yep. So unfortunately, until we're done, until we get to that point where we're able to let it go, we have entered into a contract with them. And that really is the bottom line. You know, we, we are... We are saying, oh, okay, I'll do I'll do this. I'll dot my I's. I'll cross my T's. I'll do everything that you say. That's really what we've said. Mm-hmm. So that's why when we revoke that, when we hand back that number and we say, I'm sorry, I'm no longer here in this jurisdiction, that is what ends it, you know? And until that point, we really, we're, we're in, in a contract with them. We can, we can pretend and go out traveling. And if we get pulled over by a cop, we can hand our a passport card and but if it comes down to it and we have to show that we have a driver's license we have entered into a contract with them they can look and in their records they can easily look in their records and database and see that and let me also say the underlying contract you've entered with them is based on the foundation that you had said you're a resident because they won't issue you one without it now recently we've heard that John Casarab got a California driver's license and that they did not ask if he was a resident, which shocks the P waddling out of me. And they also let him get away with writing UD over his signature under duress and printed yeah. it on the, on the driver's license, which also shocked again, it shocks the P waddling out of me because of Jim Ram's personal experience with that. But uh, it might show you that they're hiring illegal immigrants in the processing unit there. Well, yeah, I mean, in California, we have all kinds of stuff going on. But the, the bottom line is we, we only have so much energy and um, we need to place it at getting liberated. But while we're stuck, you know, while we have a car that we're paying off, while we have insurance, while we have a driver's license, we have kind of contracted into that world. And yes, you can go and do all of this stuff to try and help yourself, but it's just easier just to go along with their game for now, and then when you can get out, get out. 
Like, because all of our energy should be going into that I, because that may be a battle too. That's all. I, that's all I want to say. There's a whole big cake on the table, and you can't eat it all. Okay, and I totally agree with pageant, and that's why I concentrate here on helping people remove themselves from the system and not like Anna von Wrights and setting up 50 systems in 50 states where you can reconstitute those governments. That's a mighty big cake to chew on right there. Okay, so that's why I kind of specialize. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, that's Rich Iverson is who you're That's talking. right, Bob. Thank you. Rich Iverson. You, you had him on your oh, show. Oh, several times. Years back. Several times. Do you remember his website? Was yeah. it section512.org? I think it was a .org site. 512, something like that. Yeah. I'm thinking if anybody wants to search it out, Rich Iverson would help. Rich Iverson was his name. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Driving his commerce was also, he had, a, he had a YouTube channel, Driving his Commerce. Oh, okay. There you go. Might check YouTube, Driving his Commerce. Thank you. Thank you, Probity. Anytime. <laughs> okay. Pageant said you want to do a rescission, Black's Law 1306, page 5th edition. Uh, do a FOIA request to the DMV in your state once you get your national or your passport status would be one consideration, rescission of the contract. You know, I, I remember John Statmiller talking about driving in Texas, and he just let his lapse. Yes, and they never could. They could never mess with him. Well, they, I'm going to tell you, we had that we had that conversation, Statmiller and I, when we were when I was on his show and talking per, personally. And he says, "Oh, you mean I can use that passport instead of having to get a new driver's license?" I remember that comment. <laughs> May I just say something to that? Yes, I am dear. going to let my <laughs> I am going to let my driver's license lapse, but I am going to write that letter that I'm going to write, which is basically another notice to the agent, notice to the you know principal, all that right. stuff. But when I have that, I'm making a copy of it that I'm going to keep in my file in my car, which is like, look, I put them on notice that I'm out of their jurisdiction. But it is also going to my administrative file with Bonta, where I have been sending all kinds of stuff there. I never got anything back. But um, for instance, when I put Zuckerberg and Facebook on notice and I'm like, you silence me again, I'm taking you to court because I'm in California and I'm going to do it. That letter was also sent to Bonta. And in my administrative file. So, and also when I put uh, the council members on notice with whatever, those letters go to my administrative file too. But this, this, I'm revoking my driver's license number is going to go to Bonta as well. Because no matter what happens, I'm going to be like, everybody already knows that I revoked it and I'm outside their jurisdiction. Like it's, I've, I've put everyone on notice, you know, anyway. Let me just so, say something, Padgett, because you jostled a thought in my mind. You know, and they'll say, you've got an expired driver's license. Well, there's the presumption it may not be active, but it's not broken. In other words, well, you need to go renew your expired license. You're still one of those persons. When you revoke it or revoke the number, you've severed the contract. There's pretty distinct difference there in those two approaches. Hence the word rescission and getting the original uh, contract and crossing it out. And you can 
rescind the contract, Black's Law, 5th edition, page 1306. Right. Yeah, I went and got it when you said that. I, I looked, yep. Yeah, you get you get the original, get a FOIA request from the DMV Department of Motor Vehicles, and just rescind the contract. That's that's the cleanest okay. way to do it. Now, getting it is another thing, but you do a FOIA request and you lean on them, or go down the, you know, that that's uh, that's what I've been uh, looking at. FOIA is so man, they hate FOIA, and it's so effective if it's used. But I would yeah. also think, though, if I am just. Um, saying that I revoke the letter and I'm doing an in affidavit form, wouldn't that also, you know, be be good enough? I don't know. Having the original contract and and just writing across and canceling it is is it was was probably told. the premium. It's probably the premium way, but I'm sure there's others that'll be recognized. But thanks, John. Well, How you doing up there in Wisconsin, man? Yeah, you doing thanks. all right? Yeah, we're hanging in there. Okay. Cold today. Okay, good deal. You, you know, Stat Miller was still a citizen when he just let it lapse, and they still couldn't do anything That's to right. him. Yeah, what Stat Miller said after I did the show, we talked, I did the program, I followed up a couple of weeks later, and he goes, Roger, we can't get 300 million people to change status. I said, John, you don't need 300 million. It only took 3% of the country to start the revolution and get it done, you know. But that's that. We need that big, a large majority. But I, I remember a couple of those conversations with the late Mr. Statmiller. Well, um, I have something to bring real quick. Please. And that is for those that are needing a license because they are doing commerce on the road, that doesn't necessarily mean that it just means you're in the system when you're doing commerce correct, on the road. Correct. So you could still have a driver's license and be out of their system with regards uh, to traveling. And I'm, that's the point it is is. the distinction we're trying uh, to make. In other words, the unspoken thing is here, I'm a resident, but only when it pertains to me being in commerce. When I'm not in commerce, I'm not a resident. Exactly. No one really knows when because they could get a job or take a, you know, ride share try and become a right. rideshare person or whatever delivery person. Right. And so I don't think necessarily having that driver's license is locking you in to everything. I don't, I don't think so either. I, it's not overriding like Don's saying. And because we know that there's fraud underneath it, uh, it, it can be uh, addressed. Okay. Well, you know, like my brother is. I tend to agree with that. Hold on, Bob. Was that you? I tend to agree with that because. I've had a CDL since before they were CDLs, but if I choose to travel with my family, I cannot be expected to be held to the same uh, standard as a CDL. Correct. Correct. Yes, but I think the average citizen who doesn't need it, the average, you know, person out there or individual, whatever you want to call it out there, who doesn't need it, who still has it, it's a little different than the guy who is who has to have it, you know, cause my brother has a way that he's going to deal with this where, because like he has to drive trucks, you know, and so he has to have his driver's license, but as an individual just going out there, he doesn't have to have it. So he, you know, I think that that is a completely different circumstance, but 
and that and might be what someone in that condition might want to do might i'm just throwing this out there is to write that up in some form of paperwork and should you get stopped and the guy wants to issue a ticket you don't want to fight this battle with that cop on the side of the road you want to sign the ticket you want to give him that piece of paper and let him take it back to the da and let it get processed don you gotta we're, we're running out of time here Go ahead, I go. think I'm good. Oh, you're are you good? Don't give them yeah. your CDL. Give them your passport card. Right. Give them the passport card. That'd be the yeah. way to handle that, Bob, for sure. Okay. As we're towards the end of the program here, we got a little bit of not much. Anybody got anything they want to add that they haven't been able to get in? Because it's been a very active discussion today. Could Paget send uh, send me that information on uh, free mailing as opposed to two cent mailing? Uh, I can see, yeah, I can see if I can find it in the. I'll see if I can find it real quick and put it in the chat before we go. There you away. go. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, was that Skip? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, so it looks like we're uh, towards the end of the Tuesday show. Really good program today, Don. I want to thank you for provoking these bastards and getting that letter where we could take up almost an entire two hours discussing all these nuances, which are so important. And Dave, yeah, did have we discussed uh, in the correspondence? Show me the law, just show me the law that says that I'm required, you know, to be a resident or you know, whatever that I'm required to have a driver license to travel you know, as a non-resident alien. Okay. Well, pageant, I mean, Don, you can put that in your repertoire if you want to stick it in your letter by the time you want to send it off, okay? Yep. The, the way- Go ahead, Roger. Who said Roger? That's Chris in Tennessee. Hey, Chris. Hello, everybody. I got something to ask, and it's for you and everybody. Uh, we're not concerning the driver's license, but this is an aside. This is something that I'm going to do in addition to what I've already done with the affidavits with the, the uh, Secretary of State. And this is, I guess you could say, strictly dealing with the IRS. I am going to file an affidavit today and have it recorded stating officially that I am not a Federal Reserve agent. And I'm not going to cite their code. That's that's on them to figure it out because it's their code under I don't know if you guys may be familiar or not with section uh, Title 12, Section 411. Uh, title 26 is IRS. I don't know what they're doing over in 12. Well, it has to do with the Fed notes. Okay. Uh, section 411, uh, scope partner, which is really simple. It's only a paragraph. But basically, it states that, uh, just in a nutshell, that uh, only people authorized to use those Fed notes are federal reserve agents. And I know someone who has perfected doing this and he, you know, he hadn't done any of what we're doing here, but, but and Chris, he has not had any problem at all. It's the world. With reserve, the IRS. It's the world reserve currency or all those people out there around El Mundo, uh, federal reserve agents. Oh, heck, I don't know. <laughs> so that's my devil's advocate response to that. I've never heard that before. It doesn't mean it's not valid yeah. or whatever, but I've never heard that before. So, uh, you know, I think once you send that affidavit in, you're, you're, suffer, you're severing a whole bunch of stuff. Do what now? Where would he record something like that? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I, we're not going to have where, time where I live okay, in the property records office. We're going to run out of time before we can get into that, Chris. Yep. If you want to call back yep. tomorrow and open this that's can cool. of worms uh, at, early on in the show, maybe we can take two hours discussing that. <laughs> you can learn to use the well, You don't have to. I mean, you guys can just ponder it, you know. Okay. That's, that's just that's something that's... I thought of. I'm going to do that myself today, and I'm, I'm going to be a test uh, case. I know well, someone who, who – who've been working that in and they've been doing it for years and years and the IRS will not touch them. Huh? Well, I can tell you there's a bunch of Ecuadorians down here that are federal reserve agents. Cause they sure use dollars down here. <laughs> I hear you. All right. You guys take <laughs> okay. care. Thank you, Chris. What word in Tennessee are you? Uh, Nashville. Oh, you're guitar town. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Um, Roger. Yes, sir. Right, Samuel, quick. See you later, Chris. Yeah. Re- regarding the traffic stop, team law teaches you to, uh, after he, the cop asks you for license, registration, and insurance, he says, where I'm from, we don't use these documents. Can I show you what we use? So you're putting it back on him to ask you for your identification, and you're getting out of that uh, that quick jurisdictional thing he's trying to pull on you. Uh, there's there's you know a whole bunch of ways that people have figured out on how to approach some of these situations that are quite frankly ingenious honestly so uh let's see there's our whistler man we're right on time so we're going to end today's program but a very very productive program today i think I want to thank Don and everybody who contributed. I hope you got some ideas. If you're new uh, and you think your head is swimming, we're sorry. But it is the nature of the uh, subject matter here that we deal with. And uh, stick around and it'll get clearer. It takes a little time, okay? So uh, I'm glad everybody is along the board for today's show. And as I said, I hope you got something constructive out of it. Don, thank you very much for giving us the platform to discuss all these issues. Uh, Mr. Jim Ram, old Sarge is in the wings ready to take over and i'm about to hand him the baton mr sarge are you there bud right Ready here more? i know you would be old dependable there Met, mr metamusel so <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna start a movement today <laughs> yeah, roger we've had up to 45 participants is that right 45 today wow excellent we're going to we're about to hit, hit our limits on jitsi um okay well glad everybody's along i hope you got something out of it very very productive discussion today and uh, don's got plenty of ammunition to draft her a reply uh so jim's next you got anything going on today special jimbo yeah i think we're just going to talk about whatever comes to mind okay bunch of health stuff i'm sure um good deal yeah. man good deal well uh, i sure appreciate every one of you guys and i can't tell you that this is the enough and emphasize enough that this is the high point of my day these two hours that we get to spend together and uh, and i just care about each and every one of you and i'm glad you're here and hopefully you'll stick around and we just got knocked off jim's on a time sequ- 